Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be down on the sunny south coast with you guys. It's the place to live. Is that right down here? Yeah. Great. Now, I'm going to just share some things with you this morning and that in, in, are going to reinforce uh, or should do anyway, hopefully, the last few weeks of what God's been saying. And some of this is, is kind of bigger picture, what God is saying to us as a church across all our congregations, and, uh, and then some of it will be more really practical for our lives and what this looks like, what it means to live out uh, certain things that God is saying at the moment to us. Uh, so how many of you know that the, the kind of theme for this autumn is living like Jesus? Anybody else apart from Norton? Anybody else know? Living like Jesus. How many of you want to live like Jesus? Yes. And uh, well, we live like Jesus uh, when we are like him, okay? And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. Enables, shapes us, forms us uh, in the nature and the character of Christ so that we live how Jesus is out in the world. There's a verse in 1 John 4, 17 that says, As he is, so are we in this world. And so uh, Jesus isn't here in physical form. He's with the Father, but he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's put his Spirit in us to enable us in Christ, in our relationship with God, to be as he is to the world, as if he was here himself. So uh, we're going to look at some things this morning. Just want to remind us what God has said to us for this year. And uh, maybe some of you, first time you've been here, uh, maybe others, you've been here a long time or, or you've heard a lot of stuff that God is saying this year, but just want to kind of give a bit of a heads up. Now, how many of you know that this year God spoke to us about being a year of breakthrough and breakout? How many of you have seen some things happen this year in the light of what God has been saying and doing? You've seen some breakthroughs, some miracles, some family or friends uh, becoming to know Jesus, uh, just different things that have been taking place. Maybe God's provision this year in some way or other in your life, or you've seen a breakthrough, or the beginning of something. Maybe you're still really holding on to the words that God has given you about seeing something happen. You're still waiting for that breakthrough kind of scenario. Well, God spoke to us out of 2 Samuel chapter 5, and in that, in that chapter, what, uh, what we see is that King David became king of Israel. And the Philistines, which were David's enemies and uh, longtime enemies of Israel, they thought, now David's king, he's going to have the whole force of the army and the nation behind him. So we need to take him out ASAP, as soon as we can, because uh, otherwise he's going to become too powerful. So in that story, the Philistines set themselves up or spread themselves out in the valley uh, to, of called Rephaim as it's called, to, which means the valley of giants, to basically say to these guys, hey, David, we're going to come and take you out. Now, what did David do? What was his response? It says in that chapter, he went to the stronghold. And in that place of the stronghold, he inquired of the Lord. So he went to a place to pray and said to the Lord, what shall I do? Shall I go up and attack them? Will you give them into my hands? And in that scenario, God said, yes, go up and I'll give them into your hands. So He took his army, they defeated the Philistines, and the Philistines ran. And in that scenario, uh, it it says that the Philistines left all of their idols. Now, how many of you know when God moves, the enemy is routed in people's lives? And things that are captivating them, that are holding them, get broken off their lives. And that's what happened in that moment. The Philistines left all their idols and they, they ran. But then they didn't stop there. So... The Philistines then came back, if we read the next few verses in that chapter, and they, they, they spread themselves out in the same valley to try and take David on and try and defeat him this time. Now David again went to the stronghold, it says. So he didn't just think, right, because I had a victory before and we did it this way, we're just going to do the same thing. He knew that his trust and dependence was on God for the situation that he was in in that moment. He he understood, I cannot trust in myself, my own abilities. I can't uh, trust in the strength of my army. Our trust has got to be in God and who he is. 
So he went to the stronghold, inquired of the Lord, what do I do? And this time God said, don't go up, but go and wait by the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of this and this and this in the trees, then go up and I'll give them to you. So <clears throat> he did what God said and he defeated the Philistines. But this time they chased them for about 25 miles, something like that, and, and completely routed them. And so in that scenario, David said the place where he defeated them, he gave it a name and he called it Baal Perazim. And the word Baal Perazim means where the Lord breaks out. So in the stronghold when he prayed, that's where God spoke to him. That's where he prayed. That's where he got a breakthrough for the situation. But then he had to respond to what God said to then go to the place where God, he was going to actually then see the victory outworked in his life. And he called that place Baal Perazim. Baal means uh, where the Lord and, per, uh, and Perazim means breakout. So where the Lord breaks out. Now, in our lives this year, God has been speaking about it being a year of breakthrough and breakout. And so there might be different situations in our lives. Some of those are friends and family that we want to see saved. Where we need to see them come out of whatever they're in, but come to know Jesus and, and, and actually have a relationship with him. So for, some, for, for any, all of us, hopefully, there are friends and family that we've been praying for throughout the year. Maybe every day that we've, uh, when we've got these little prayer cards. Um, most of you have got them. We've got these little prayer cards and uh, we write a few people, friends, family members, whoever it is, on the bottom of the cards. And then there's a few scriptures there and we're encouraging everybody just at least five minutes a day, take your, take your thing and use those scriptures and pray over that person, those people, that household, that family, whoever it is. And uh, so that's, that's going to the stronghold, if you like, and just praying for those friends and family members. But then we're expecting a bowl perazim. We're expecting a breakout in their lives. Yes? No? We're expecting a breakout in their lives, right? So that breakout might happen when you invite them around for dinner. It might be when you're out, you know, and you go out for a coffee. Or it might, whatever the scenario might be, where God can break out and you begin to see what you've been praying actually happen in their lives. So we're not expecting necessarily this, this huge massive spiritual moment where we think well we've got to get them to there on a Sunday morning or we've got to get them to a meeting somewhere no that breakout moment that bowl perazine might be over a cup of tea and, and, and as you're talking and sharing and they're opening their heart and life up a little bit they suddenly get to that point where they're like so, so actually I, re- I want to know Jesus or you might say to them hey look we've been chatting for a while I've shared my story we've looked at you know some things about who Jesus is do you want to really surrender your life to him do you want to really give your life to him and that bowl perazim could be at a kitchen table, could be in your lounge, could be at a coffee shop. Who knows where that bowl perazim moment could be? Maybe they'll have some dreams at night, you know, and they'll dream of an encounter with Jesus. It's all possible, right? So, so there's these breakthrough moments. Maybe there's some healing things that, that you need and you've been contending, you've been thanking the Lord for your healing and whatever. And, and this morning might be a bowl perazim for you today where you're going to receive your healing in your body and whatever's been going on is going to finish this morning, right? How many of you believe for that today? Okay, so we're not here for a meeting. We're here to encounter Jesus, right? We're not here to just to do church. We are the church. We're here not just to listen to a message, but we're here to become part of the message. So I'm not just speaking to you guys. What we're all doing spiritually is we're all standing up at this moment, not sitting there just listening with our ears, but we're standing up on the inside of our lives saying, yeah, Father, you are saying this to me and to us as a congregation and to a wider church across our congregations. So I'm not just here to listen. I'm here to actually become part of what you're saying and a carrier of what you are doing and a releaser of who you are into others' lives, whether in the room or others outside that don't yet know Jesus, right? Because that's who we are as the church. So what is God doing? He mobilizes his people. He encourages his people. He speaks into his people. So he mobilizes us to be active believers in our lives where we take the word because we believe it and we speak it and we declare it and we move towards it. We act in the way that we know according to the word because we believe what it says. Amen. We're a people of faith, uh, and which means we're a people of, of action. So uh, I need, uh, uh, can we just, can somebody just grab us five chairs? 
It's all, they can be all stacked up. That's fine. Thank you. If you could stack them all up, that'd be brilliant. Thanks. Just while I'm... Don't be distracted by these guys, if you can have it. So, bowl perazine, okay? Now, <clears throat> I'm sure some of these things have been, thanks guys, shared with you over the last few weeks. But we had a... Every weekday, every week morning at 8 o'clock, all the, the staff team meet, and when the Bible school is, is in session, that the students are at this, and anybody in the church is welcome to come at 8 o'clock, any weekday morning, uh, for about 45, 50 minutes. And we start every day worshipping, praying, encountering Jesus. So we, we have the time to do that and the space to do that, but we want to make sure we start every day like that. And uh, so, and, and in that worship time, uh, often it's open for people to kind of bring sort of prophetic words, scriptures, we pray through stuff. So it's not like a set thing that we do. Uh, there's, it's open to flow and, to, and because we want to pray every day for who we are. We pray for you guys a lot every week and uh, in terms of what God's doing in the life of the church, but through who we are as well. So we're praying for the town of Worthing and Crawley and Horsham and Burgess Hill and the 25-mile radius that we believe in God to, to transform uh, and the nation, which is in a pretty interesting state at the moment. And uh, one of the, the, the... God spoke to us in January, but at one of these 8 o'clock meetings a couple of weeks ago, somebody had a picture, and uh, while we were worshipping, a vision, a, a picture of, of uh, a lady who was nine months pregnant, and she was in labour, and she was giving birth to the baby. And in that scenario, she was having to work with the contractions that were going on in her, in her body. She had to work with what was happening. So when the, when the contractions were happening, she had to work with them and push with those contractions. And it's the same, what she said was, it's like God spoke to us in January. It's now September, which is the ninth month. And it's like God is, is bringing a fresh release of what he's doing and wants to give birth to new things that he's doing, Right. But in order for that to happen, it means that we as the body that are carrying what God is saying and, and wants to do, then we have to work with the Holy Spirit. And when we push, when he's pushing. And so this moment in time, this is a push moment. Okay, not just this morning, but at this moment. So if you can understand what God is saying to us as a church, it's not just a, a time to just come and receive or sit and listen, it's a time to stand up and say, right, God is saying things about this year, and it's not just about this year, it's what God is opening up this year for the years to come. And, and so one of the reasons we finished faith camp is because God said, stop the thing, okay? And one of the words we had was, there's one large door that is going to close this year, but in a short space afterwards, I'm going to open a much larger door. So <clears throat> we don't want to continue things when God is saying to stop them, but then we've got to be open for whatever God is opening up for the coming years in different ways, which is not to do another event that looks like faith camp or somewhere else. That needed to finish and fall into the ground and die, as it were. And then God opens up new, new things. And so with this person's picture, it's like this is a moment where, where we're, we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. We're aligning our thinking, our lives with everything that God is saying and doing. So that together we are pushing I don't mean striving in our own effort, but we're working with the Holy Spirit, responding to what He is saying at this moment and, uh, and, and really positioning our lives and our thinking, our hearts and our lives so that, like David did, he, he saw what was going on, then he positioned himself in the stronghold, he heard from God, then he worked with the Holy Spirit or with God and did what God said and he saw the, out, he saw the victory. So we're positioning our lives for what God is saying and doing at this moment okay so in this in this kind of uh, scenario we also I think was probably shared with you guys as well somebody else in that meeting also had a picture of a battlefield and how the church was on the battlefield have you had this picture already and in this picture what the the person saw was Pastor Rohan who leads the Crawley congregation he said it was like as a church we're on the battlefield and uh, some people were on that field with with their weapons their spiritual weapons if you like and they were fully stood up, engaged in what God was doing. But there were others on the battlefield that were standing there, but they were kind of watching what was going on and not necessarily participating, but kind of standing there. And some were looking and saying, what do I do with these, these, these things I've got, uh, these weapons, spiritual things that were supposed to be, you know, uh, what do I do with these? And others had decided, well, I, I, I'm not going to join in. I'll wait and see what happens. And I'll see if there's victory and I'll see if it goes well. Then I'll, I'll join in. 
And so we began to pray, really, in that context, saying, Father, you know, praying for every person in the body, in our church, to, to really understand what God is saying and how to be part of what is going on, to stand at this moment and to be part of moving, moving forward. And what he said was those that didn't really respond to that, you end up getting, getting taken out. So when we don't respond to what God is saying in our own lives, personally, or together in terms of what we're part of, and we're not using that shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, or whatever the context is, then we find that then we actually, the enemy has an opportunity to take us out, to disillusion us, to disappoint us, or, or whatever. And often, if you think about a battlefield, if you're not taking part to, to actually move forward, you're probably going to get hurt, or damaged, or, or somehow injured in some way or other. And obviously that's not God's plan and purpose for, for any of us. But uh, in that battlefield, you know, God is mobilizing us all at this moment. How many of you know the church is more than meetings? The church is far more than just attending something. You know, we're called the body of Christ. Uh, we're called living stones. Uh, we're called, you know, an army in that sense uh, that is mobilized, ready for action. And that's what God is doing. He's priming the pump at this moment. Now, how many of you know we're living in a time that's quite challenging? There's a lot of stuff going on. We've been reading Daniel as a church recently in our kind of daily readings. And, and in Daniel chapter 3, this is kind of just framing the message. Is this all right? Just for, for a minute. I know I'm re-emphasizing uh, the things that have been said over the last few weeks. But in Daniel chapter 3, there's a scenario there with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego where uh, the king had made a golden idol, set it up in the middle of the city and he said everybody had to come and bow down and worship him or what represented him, this golden idol. And anybody that didn't worship him would be put to death. And <clears throat> it says in that chapter that some of the people, his senior guys that worked for him, they wanted to get rid of the Jewish people. And it says in there that they, they basically were, were, were kind of aiming to, to get rid of them. And they knew that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were Jewish guys. And this is in Babylon, okay? Not a Jewish place, obviously. And, uh, and they report to the king, there's these three guys that are not worshipping you. So he was pretty angry. Bring these guys before me. And he said to them, hey, you guys, you need to bow down and worship me. Now, in that context, they, they didn't get upset. They didn't have a go at the king. What they actually said was, King, we, we know that you are the most powerful king on the planet, on the earth. We know that every nation comes to bow down and worship you. But we actually serve a God that is more powerful than you. And so, with all due respect, they basically were saying, we can't bow down to you. We, we, we can only bow down to the one that we know as the God of all gods, the King of all kings. And, and he was basically like, well, you're gonna get, you, do you know what this means? You're going to get thrown into this fire. And they said, well, at the end of the day, if we honour the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then he's the one that can rescue us. And, and so he, 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 in his rage, made sure the furnace was, I think it was seven times hotter or something than it normally is. And uh, they threw them in there. And when the king was watching, he saw a fourth person in there. And how many of you know who the fourth person is? Okay, he was in there um, with, with them. And, uh, and when they came out, you couldn't even smell any fire or, or, or smoke on them. And then he changed the edict and he said, right, everybody now needs to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Now, we're living in a time and in a culture where nobody is necessarily in this country anyway, setting up golden idols in the middle of our towns and saying everybody has to come and worship whatever that represents. But there are other things that are maybe not as obvious. There are other things in people's lives that are in the same way being set up in our culture, in our society in our communities that are uh, affecting people's lives. And some of that is now being put under the whole thing of political correctness and uh, certain other things. If you say certain things, you're now, para you know, you're a bigot or you're this, that or the other. There's all sorts of things going on that are challenging what we believe. Challenging even the freedom to express your faith. In the same scenario these guys were in, we're having the same kind of things today. Now, if you say that kind of thing out in public, it's like, well, no, of course you're not. You're just, you're just being oversensitive as Christians. 
But basically what is going on, no matter what issue there is out there, it's about silencing, ultimately, the voice of God. It's about silencing the church. It's really about silencing the truth in our culture, in our society. And we know there's a spiritual battle. We know the enemy ultimately is behind all of these things. And he'll use anything. He doesn't care what it is. He'll use anything to take people out from discovering or finding God in their own lives. And he'll do stuff across a culture, an age group, a generation to try and steal them away from the purposes of God. But while he's doing that, he wants to shut the voice of truth down because he knows it's the truth that sets people free. He knows that if he can cause the church to be fearful, what does fear do? Fear cripples you from going forward. Fear makes you afraid. Say, I can't do this because of that. And if I do that, I'll get into trouble or or this, that or the other. So he tries to cause fear to stop us moving forward. Now, what's the opposite to fear? It's not. It's love. Perfect love drives out all fear. Okay, so now these guys, these three guys knew who God was. They knew what their relationship was with him and they knew in the midst of challenge, God was going to turn up and do something. When we know, when, when, when you know somebody loves someone, you're secure. So I know my wife loves me, okay? And uh, even when I'm being a bit stupid, or, and I wouldn't do that in front of you guys because you'd be like, oh, you know, you're losing it. But my daughter, she, uh, she bought me a little thing for my birthday a couple of years ago. A little, you know, these little wooden things with things written on and, and you hang them different places around your house or whatever, or fridge magnets or whatever. She bought me this little thing, no dad dancing. All right, so, so and she put it in this mirror in our lounge. She, she put it just on the corner wedged in the, the sort of this wooden mirror. She wedged it in the corner. She's like, dad, no dad dancing, okay? And when my friends are around, do not do any of that sort of stuff, all right? And, uh, and, and uh, not that I dance around the house or anything like that, but you know, with your kids, you mess about and you have a great time. And so with, with my wife, I know that no matter how I am, she loves me. So even if I say, mate, I'm just really struggling today or I have a conversation or I'm just a bit out there, a bit nutty, just messing about or whatever with it. She's not looking at me going, you're an absolute idiot. What did I marry you for? You're just (laughs) off the deep end, you know. But when you know somebody loves you, you're secure. Now, when we know we have a revelation of God's love for us, that brings a deeper conviction than the stuff the enemy tries to throw at us. And obviously, faith is essential with that love to overcome because it's our faith that enables us to overcome what goes on in the world. And so uh, these guys, they, they had faith in who God was, but they knew also that God loved them. So in the challenge, that faith and that love working together enabled them to have victory. And that's how God wants us to be in the culture and the society that we are in right now. So there are pressures But it doesn't mean that we stand on a soapbox and we point the finger and tell everybody where they're wrong and we're right and all this kind of stuff. Because when Jesus lived on earth, this is really important, John chapter 12, in the book, in there, what did Jesus say? He says in there that the words I speak are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father working through me. Or it's the, the Father at work. Depends on what translation you've got. Or it's the Father working. What is he saying? And, and it's interesting when you then follow the next verse, it then says, um, Jesus only spoke the words the Father gave him. And then, but we often finish there. We don't read the last two, three or four words at the end of the verse. Because the last few words say, and how to say them. So we know what we believe as Christians. So if I ask you guys a question about something going on in, in, in society, said, now, what do you believe in response to that? You know, you'd say, well, this is what we believe as a Christian, that, that, that you live like this, or that's what marriage is, husband and wife. That's what we believe. Uh, and, and, and lots of people out there know that's what Christians believe. So it's not that we have to go out and reinforce that, but it, it's more how we do that. And... Okay, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, how they went to the king was really important, even though they still got chucked in the fire. They still came with the right heart, the right attitude in terms of who he was, still knowing that they served somebody more powerful. 
But even in that scenario, having the right heart, they still got thrown in the fire, but God was with them and brought them out the other side. And ultimately, the king then said, everybody has to worship their God, not me instead. And so it's not just what we believe, but how do we express that, both in words and in actions, okay, going, going forward. So what did Jesus say then? We're going to look at John chapter 14. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, and uh, you might, hopefully you, got, you might have one of these. It's called a Bible with pages. It's got printed words on it. They're <laughs> quite rare these days compared to people's phones and iPads or whatever you got. But uh, I like to use the Bible with pages and ink on it. And uh, John chapter 14. I'm going to read a few things in, in there this morning uh, in relation to what we've just been speaking about and the kind of frame we've just given okay so breakthrough and breakout we position our lives like David in the stronghold but then we also position them for Baal Perazim for the breakout it's a time of birthing what God is, is is doing and saying but to be like Jesus then we want to speak like him and we want to act like him as he is so are we in this world we live in a challenging culture that's saying you've got to bow down to political correctness. You have to bow down to this. You've got to bow down to the other. It's, there's a lot of pressure going on at this moment, okay? And it's only going to increase on one level in terms of where things are going in the natural. But that's why we're called to be a people of prayer. Because it, ultimately it's a spiritual battle going on. And where do you win a spiritual battle? You win it in prayer. But there also then must be action. How many of you have discovered over your life as a Christian, when you pray, often God uses you at the other end of your prayer to be part of seeing the answer, right? It's not just, you know, pray, do, use somebody somewhere to do it. And God's like, well, you're the person praying, so you've obviously got a heart for this. So what I'm going to do is move you from the stronghold where you've prayed it and now you're going to be on the, the battlefield where David had to take on the Philistines, the Baal Perazim. So that's why the battlefield's so important because we're on a battlefield whether we like it or not. You can't hide as a Christian. We are on it. it you don't choose to be on a battlefield. We are. As soon as you gave your life to Jesus, you signed up, you conscripted yourself to God's army, God's purposes on the battlefield of life. And the enemy then targets you and me even more than he did before. And uh, because now suddenly we have somebody in us that he cannot stand up against. Just think about it. We have the living God on the inside of us right now. That's awesome. So all the stuff going on in there, how many of you know with one word, with a whisper, God could change absolutely everything? All the stuff going on in our nation and other nations where people say God is dead, there isn't one. We don't need him. We can do what we like. We are our own God. We are our own oracle and all this kind of stuff that goes on out there. How many of you know that God can just say, okay, let's, let's wind it all up, let's finish. He could just do it in a moment. Now we have that. God, Him, on the inside of us. So what happens then when we begin to pray in His name? What begins to happen when we take His Word and we begin to take it on and, and He says, I want you to speak this and declare that. Wow, what life and power is released at that moment? Because it's not down to the life and the power that we have in and of ourselves. We are flesh and bones. We're human beings. We're natural beings. But we have someone who is a supernatural God on the inside of us. And he just said, if you just believe, if you just believe who I am, not just, just what I say, but who I am. If we believe who he is, then it's like because he is his word. And it's like, wow, when we speak and declare, that's why prayer is so exciting, so powerful when we pray. And Jesus is reiterating this. Let's get into, the, the, into this, shall we? John chapter 14, um, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. 
Then Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Right, so what we want to do now, we've got five chairs here, and these chairs represent different people. So firstly, we've got Jesus here, okay? And he is telling his disciples, look, guys, I'm just getting you ready because I'm I'm, I've got to go. I've got to go and be with the Father. So he's beginning to prepare these guys. So the next few chapters in John are all about him preparing and teaching about the Holy Spirit and, and leading up to the cross, okay? So John covers all of this more than the other Gospels do in terms of the lead up to, to, to what happens. But so Jesus is preparing these guys and uh, in that he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And, and he's kind of beginning to talk about the Father and they're like, yeah, but how do we know the Father? And he says, look, if you've, know, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. If you know me, then you know the Father. And they're like, right, what, what does that mean? And so Jesus then begins to explain. And then he says to them, He says, anyone who has seen me, he then says, has seen the Father. Okay, what's he saying? If you've seen me, you see the Father. Because when you look at me, you see the Father. So then then what does he say? He then says, um, so then they say to him, how can you say, show us the Father? Or he says to them, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So now Jesus is saying, hey, do you believe that the Father is in me, but I am also in the Father? So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I and the Father are one. I'm in him and he's in me. We're inseparable. We're united. We are one together. Okay? Then he says, "Uh, the words I say to you are not just my own. So Jesus is saying, these things aren't just mine. They're, they're, the, they're the Father's. They're the Father's words that are coming out of, of, of when you hear them. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and also the Father is in me. Okay, So he's just trying to reiterate this point. Hey guys, this is not me doing all this stuff. This is not me just speaking all this stuff. I'm here because the Father is in me and I'm in the Father and I'm just delivering what he wants to say. And as I'm delivering what he wants to say, he is at work doing what he wants to do. Okay. Then it says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. You can swap the chairs again. Or at least believe the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, so this is us now, okay? Jesus then says, anyone who has faith in me. So now we're, anyone who has faith in me. Okay, so we're in Christ, okay? He says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Wow. Just let that one sink for a minute or drop for a minute. Anyone who has faith in me will do the same things I've been doing. What did Jesus say? When I speak, they're not just mine, it's the Father working. Then he says, if you have faith in me, what does he say? Uh, Anyone's faith in me will do what I've been doing. So what's he saying? It's the Father that's then going to work through you. He He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father... So he's, okay, this kind of analogy is here. We're in Christ, Christ is in us, he's in the Father, the Father's in him, so we're in the Father and the Father's in us. So in one sense, what is Jesus saying? When you are as I am in this world, what's going to happen is people are going to see Jesus. But they're also going to see the Father. But when they see the Father, they're going to see Jesus. What are they going to see? They're going to see God in us coming through us. So when they looked at Jesus, what was one of the things that they said about Jesus when he was teaching? What, what, what was one of the things people said? Where did you get that authority? So there was the authority of God on his life. Why did he have that authority? Because he was submitted to the Father. So you can only operate in authority that's been given to you. Uh, you know, so it, where you work, you, you have a certain authority where you work. And depending on what your role is or position is, 
you have more or less authority depending on what you, you do uh, in that sense. But the great thing about being believers is God doesn't say, well, you can have more authority than him or she can have more authority than her and all of that. No, God doesn't say who can have more authority than other people. What Jesus is basically saying is anyone who has faith in me, anyone who has faith in me will do the same things as I've been doing. How do we know this? Then he says after this, he says he will do even greater things. In verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Wow. But that, what does the word say? It says anyone has faith in me. So to have faith in God means I trust you. I believe you. To have faith in God says I submit my understanding to yours. I submit my thinking to yours. I submit my unbelief to your word so that faith is released in me so that my, I, I have faith in who you are, in you. So then Jesus says anyone has faith in me, you can ask whatever in my name. And I will do it. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That's amazing. What does Jesus say? Or, or what does John say? As he is, so are we in this world. Jesus is giving us a key here. I and the Father are one. I'm in him and he's in me. Anyone has faith in me can do the same things as I've been doing. When you have your faith in me, you can ask whatever in my name and I will do it. Wow. So there are no limits then to what God can do through you and I as believers on earth. God wants to raise our, our, our relationship with Him, our revelation of Him, our understanding of Him and who we are in relation to Him so that we don't see ourselves as some kind of little insignificant kind of person on the planet. But actually God says, no, you have my life on the inside of you. You have the God of heaven on the inside of you. You have the living word on the inside of you. And in the days that we are in, man, boy, do we need to believe what we believe, speak and declare what we believe and act upon what we believe because there's somebody else that is wanting to shut the church down in our nation. And he works through people to do it. So, what else is he speaking about here? Because then he goes on to speak about, um, I'm going to go with the Father, and then he says, but I'm going to leave you another counsellor, the Spirit of Truth. So, <clears throat> what is he saying here? He said, look, I'm going to go and be with the Father, but I'm going to give you the Spirit of Truth. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be in you. He's going to counsel you. He's going to enable you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to teach you. The same spirit that I have, the spirit of, of Jesus, my spirit, I'm going to put in you. So I'm not going to leave you on earth. I'm going to go to the Father. And what I'm going to do now with the Father is I'm going to intercede for you all the time from the throne, all the time, so that you hear the instructions that come from the throne through the Holy Spirit that is in you so that you know what to say, what to believe, how to act, how to be. So that you have a deeper conviction on the inside of you of who you are as a believer, who you are as a child of God, than what the world tries to throw at you to overcome you. So what is Jesus speaking about here? He's, also, he's speaking about sonship. Because he's spoken about, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. You can only talk about fatherhood and being in the Father if you have a father. And so Jesus is speaking about sonship. What does it mean to be a son of God? And he's saying, I, I, so yes, we know that he was the son of God in terms of he is God, okay? But also he had to live as a human in relationship with the Father so that he himself lived in relationship as a son of God, not just because he was the son of God. Do you understand that? So he showed us how do you live in relationship with the Father as a son. Now there's some really important things here to do with sonship because we, we've been adopted into God's family. 
The amazing thing about adoption is you go to a, a, an adoption agency or a place and you choose who you want to adopt. And you pick them out by name and say, hey, I want you, I choose you by name to come and be part of this family. So you're no longer going to be an orphan. You're no longer going to be on your own. You're now going to be brought into, accepted into this family. So the first thing that God does, he adopts us into his family and he accepts us and we become a child of God. We become, a, we become a son of God. So once you're accepted into a family, what do you then get? You then get the full inheritance of what that family has and is. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So, so you hear stories. We hear that there was one recently on the... We, uh, Jane and I heard um, of a child that was in India and, uh, and was uh, on a rubbish tip and everything, living there trying to scavenge for food. And a, a really wealthy couple from somewhere, probably the States, but somewhere, uh, like seriously wealthy people, I think billionaires or whatever. And uh, they, they, I think he was there on business doing some stuff and, uh, and somebody took him to this rubbish dump and uh, he was so shocked by what he saw, he, he said to his wife, we, we have to help one of these children, we have to do something. And so this child was taken out of this rubbish tip life and then the next thing he's now in this billionaire's life and and basically what it said was that they adopted him changed his name and everything he now had the full inheritance of what belonged to this guy billions he didn't have any other kids so this this kid this child then became the full beneficiary of what belonged to this bloke and that's, I mean, you think, wow, billions. Well, am I, God's much bigger than that. What does it mean to inherit the kingdom of God and everything that comes with it, right? It's not about money, is it? It's about the inheritance of the spiritual life that we have, the fullness of who God is and everything that that means as a believer. So we then inherit, as a son of God, we inherit the fullness of God's life and kingdom. When you, then when you inherit something, you then have rights to act upon what that inheritance rep, her, her, represents. Uh, so if you know, say you have a million quid in the bank, if you never use it, it's no good to you. You might know it's there, it might make you feel a bit more, oh that's cool, I feel a bit more secure. But if you never do anything with it, just leaving it there has no benefit whatsoever. But as the, as the owner, if you like, or whoever's responsible for that money in the bank, you have the right, because your name's on the account, you have the right to use that money in whichever way you want to use it, because it belongs to you. And it's the same with God's kingdom. Um, that Now we've become sons of God. We're not only accepted, we now have a full inheritance, but we also have rights with that inheritance to act in his name. And with that inheritance, those rights comes an authority. So as a son of God, all of us are sons of God. I know today everybody said, well, we should just use, you know, we're all children of, and, and fine. But the Bible talks about sonship, okay? We are sons of God. What does it mean to be a son of God? You're accepted. You have an inheritance. You now have a right as a son of God to act in certain ways in his name. As in not do whatever we like, but in his name. But we have authority that is delegated, given to us by him as believers on earth. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about us being ambassadors on earth. That we're Christ's ambassador. Actually, I'm going to read that to you. 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read this verse for a moment. It says, we now have been given the ministry of reconciliation and uh, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow. So what does it mean to be an ambassador? Ambassador uh, in the natural on earth has certain rights uh, and <clears throat> that they represent the, the, the nation, the kingdom where they're from, but in another nation. And they represent what that nation is all about. And they have an authority from that nation to represent that nation and speak and act on behalf of that nation. Now there's reference points back to their nation, whoever is the king or the president or prime minister, whoever it is, there's references back in relation to what they're doing in this other place to say, hey, I think we should do this, is that all right? Or this is what I've been sent here to do. I'm just checking in to make sure I'm still in line with what I'm supposed to be doing. And then there might be some instructions from headquarters that sometimes come and says, yeah, great, now do this, now do that. Great, okay. But they're being given authority to act and to speak on behalf of that nation or that kingdom. 
Now that's what it's like to be a believer on earth. We are here, we're now part of a different kingdom that's not an earthly one. And we live in the United Kingdom, as it is at the moment, anyway. And uh, we live in this nation, and God wants us to represent His kingdom on earth as ambassadors. So we have a right to speak in His name, the things that He wants us to speak. We have a right to act on His behalf, the things that He would act if He was here Himself. As He is, so are we in this world. So it's not just what we say, but it's how we say it. So just to finish, in Philippians chapter 2, this is really important, because this is to do with the heart, really, and how we are in the, in the, the challenging days that we live in. In Philippians 2, it says here, uh, verse 5, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, we understand that, that we, we can't be God, we never will be, and He is, he is awesome. But there's a lot of people out there in the world that, that you know, well, I don't even believe in God. Or we don't need God. When we say we don't need God, he's out, he, you know, forget him. That's basically saying we think equality with God can be grasped because we don't need him. But Jesus came as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he, as, as a man, in his very, being in very nature God, he did not co- consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So it says here, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? That we take the attitude and the heart of serving. He said he made himself nothing. That we take the approach of serving. So it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because as believers... We're here to see God's rule and reign come on earth. But we do that by serving, and by having the, na- the heart and the attitude of, of a servant. And that's what Jesus did. He's, he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But yet he came as a servant. Wow, that is so opposite to the way the world operates. But we need to understand we're not now, we're not now, our lives are not run by the world in that sense. Our lives are led by the Holy Spirit because we're now kingdom people. Now we understand the world works in certain ways and we want to, we want to live in relation, we want to keep the laws of the nation, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, But we're here to see God's rule and reign come, but it comes through a people that are humble, who come to serve, come to lay their lives down. And sometimes that will mean challenging scenarios where we say, well, look, I appreciate that, but I'm sorry I can't go along with that because this is what I believe. I serve one that is higher than, than that. Uh, and whatever that means, it's going to look like. And so in, in being in Christ and what it means in relationship with the Father, we're not in defeat. We are in victory because we don't live in Defeat. We live in the one who is victory, okay? We don't live in sickness because we're in Christ and He is our health. So we live in health. We don't live in lack. We now live in abundance. He's our provision, our provider. We don't live in fear. We live in love. We don't live in need. We live in provision. Why? Because He is. This is who it is in Christ. Now, sometimes it's like we're, we're facing a situation that is needy or lack or there's a sickness issue or something's coming against us. But that's where as believers, we don't start speaking about the problem and say, now we, we, we can acknowledge it's there because we, we, it's real, okay? But we don't just try and, well, I'll, I'll try and, you know, just it's like, okay, there's a, there's a diagnosis that's being given or there's a circumstance right here. And it's what you do with it that's the important thing. So you can either go, oh, no, I've got this. And no, no, that means... Or you can say, okay, the diagnosis is that, 
but I'm not going to take that on now and say, right, this has got a hold of my body. In that moment, it's like, right, I've heard that, I understand it, but what I'm going to do now is actually say, right, Father, you're my health and wholeness. So, Father, I thank you that you speak your word and health and life into me so that the truth starts to overcome the facts of the situation or whatever's going on in that moment. Years ago, I I, I was having some breathing problems and... um, and I went to the doctors and uh, I said, look, I've got all this stuff going on and really struggling. And he, he, you know, he put the thing on your chest and you breathe and everything else. And uh, he sat there and he said, you're a mild asthmatic. And he said, you need to get an inhaler and you'll probably be using it for the rest of your life. Now, in that moment, I, I, it, it, you have a choice to make. Now, I, I sat there and in that moment, I didn't say this to him. I said it inside myself. Um, when he said that to me, I sat there and I said... As he said, you're a mild asthmatic, la, 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 la. I said, I'm not a mild asthmatic, and I'm not going to accept that and take that on. I don't re- I'm not receiving that as I am now this. And he said, you need to go and get some, you know, inhalers and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so I said, thanks very much, took the prescription, walked out. I was walking up the road, and I was thinking, no, no what do I do now? Because I don't, I'm not accepting that. I'm not going to have breathing problems and all that. For the, so I'm not, not accepting that. Um, so, but what do I do? Do I get an inhaler or not? You know, and it was one of those uh, moments and I thought, well, I'll just get it anyway. And so I went in the thing, got an inhaler. And, uh, but as I was walking home from, from the chemist, I, th- I thought, I've, I've just got this thing, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not having it. I'm not going to receive the diagnosis. And, and as I was walking home, I just put a hand on my chest and I, and I said, I just command my, I'm, 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 ex- I'm receiving healing, not sickness. Anyway, so, and I never, never ended up using the inhaler. And from the next morning onwards, I've never had any breathing issues from that, that day. And, and it's, you, I think if I'd sat in that moment and said, oh, right, okay, I'm a mild asthmatic, and I'd gone, gone home and said to my wife, well, that's what I am now, I've got to do this. I think, I don't know, maybe I'd still be struggling with that today. But this is the power of who we have on the inside of us. I mean, let's stand together, shall we, because I've gone over time this morning, and you're all gasping for your food and, and, and fellowship and everything. But uh, let's just close our eyes for a minute. Just shut your eyes for a minute. Just as you got your eyes closed, we did the chair kind of thing. Just imagine, picture those for a minute. It's like, okay, chairs. Jesus in the Father, the Father's in Jesus. Anyone who has faith in me will do the same things I've been doing. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in you, Jesus. I have faith in you. And then he said, I'm going to the Father, so I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Right, so I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Because I've been adopted into his family, I've been accepted. Maybe wherever you are right now, just thank the Lord that you've been accepted as a son of God. Just thank him. I'm accept- thank you that I'm no longer an orphan. I'm no longer outside of God's kingdom or outside of his fatherhood. I'm now in him. I'm in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I've been accepted by you, made acceptable. Now thank him that you have a- an inheritance in him. You have the full inheritance of God's kingdom his life, his power, his authority, his goodness. You have the full inheritance of what it means now to be a son of God, a child of God. You have the full inheritance. Thank you, Jesus. Now thank him that with that inheritance, you have rights as a son of God, as a child of God, to act and to speak in his name. Just thank him that you're not a victim. Just thank him that you're a victor. Just thank him that your, your mind is not a playground for the enemy to mess about with. You're not a football that he just kicks about however he wants to do. No, you're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've been adopted into his family. You've been made acceptable. You have an inheritance. You have a right as a child of God to use the authority that he's been given as an ambassador, as a son of God on earth as it is in heaven to act as he is. So are we in this world. So, Father, we thank you right now. So if you have stuff going on in and around your life right now, just say, right. I take hold of this diagnosis. Now, maybe some of you have accepted diagnosis in your body and you've said to people, well, I've got this and I've got that or I'm now this or I'm now that. It's like, right, Father, I, I, I firstly ask you to forgive me for not uh, first, forgive me for taking that on as an identity. And now, Father, I choose to, to, 
let go of that as an identity and I throw that off because that's not who I am in you. So I'm not going to confess that I'm this and I'm that and I've got this and that and the other any longer. But instead, Father, I take hold of the truth of who you are as my healer, as you are the, heal, the, the one who heals. And I take hold of that. And Father, I thank you that today, in these coming days, that as you speak to me, you would release faith into my life to receive my healing and everything that you want to do that overcomes the sickness. I thank you for the power of your truth that changes facts. So the facts then line up with the truth. That my body is free of sickness. It is free of cancer. It is free of blood disorder. It is free of uh, aching joints. It is free of persistent migraines. It is free from backache and some issue. Somebody's got an issue at the top of their spine with their, in, in their, their bone there. And, and, it's, and, and you're not under that any longer. So maybe for some, thank you, Jesus, that the, the, the facts of that pain change and come into line with the healing power of your truth right now. I thank you, Father, that symptoms are changing right now. Diagnosis is changing right now in people's bodies. Father, I praise your name. I thank somebody else. You've had a, a digestive disorder and certain foods have been a problem for you. And you've been standing there just now saying, right, I, I'm no longer going to be a victim to this, this, this diet that I have to eat and cut so much stuff out. If not, you have all sorts of stuff start kicking off in your body, pain and, and, and various other things. And, and you've been saying, I don't want to be a victim to that any longer. And when I said you're not a victim, because you've already thought about what's been going on, you like that, you're like, hang on a minute, I'm not a victim to this sickness any longer. I'm actually a victor over it because of what I've heard this morning as to who I am as a son of God, as a child of God. Father, I thank you right now in this congregation that in these coming weeks there's going to be a release of faith that's going to change the dynamic of the prayer going on. That when we meet to pray in an impact or like this week in the VIP where we meet across, as all congregations together in Horsham on Wednesday and we meet to pray in your name. Father, we thank you. It's going to be like the stronghold where we hear from you. We pray in your name. Then we go out from there. We're going to see the bulb you work in the bulb perazims where the Lord breaks out. So Father, I thank you. I praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All this flows because of sonship and because he's made you a son of his, adopted, called by name, chosen by name. Before the beginning of time, it says in Ephesians, before the world was created, he chose you, it says. He chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He chose you. And you're here today 2018, because he chose you before the creation of the world. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. There's not one person in the room that is a mistake or an accident. You're here. He knew you are going to be here, and he's called you by name. He's adopted you into his family. Say, you're mine. You're a child of mine, and you have the full inheritance of who I am and my kingdom in you and at your disposal. Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for anybody here that doesn't know you today doesn't know who you are, never met you, doesn't realise who you are. Father, I just pray for them right now for a revelation of who you are. And if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to chat with you after. Just come and say hi. Just come and have a chat and, and uh, love to just talk to you for a few minutes. And, and you may be at a point where you're saying, actually, I've been here a few times, I've heard some stuff, or I've met with people that are here, I've got a friend of mine that's been telling me about Jesus. And you're saying today, I want to surrender my life to him. I'd love to chat with you and, and, and pray with you after we, we close in a moment. So, Father, just to close this morning, I thank you for every person here, every individual, every married couple, every family that's represented. Father, I just speak your goodness, your abundance, your blessing over every person, every marriage, every family, over our homes, over our going out, over our coming in, over our workplaces. When we go into the workplace, we go into the community, we go around other people's houses, whatever we do this week, whatever we, ever we're going, I just speak your goodness, your blessing and your abundance. Thank you for your protection. You're our armour and protection, that you're our refuge and stronghold. Father, I thank you that to this week we're going to be a blessing to those we, we are with. Whether, whether they know you or whether they don't, that we're going to be a blessing this week. Everywhere we go, 
your life, your goodness, your power is going to flow from our lives, Father, so that others' lives are impacted and transformed by who you are. Because we want to be as you were, you say, we are now in this world. So, Father, we praise and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just turn to somebody else and say, as he is, so are you in this world. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.